Good day. I bring you greetings from the plains of Oklahoma and the hills of northwest Arkansas. I'm the area pastor there. I have four congregations. And uh, basically from the center part of the United States. Uh, You know, we in God's church understand that God has called us to prepare to be kings and priests. You know, the greatest, one of the greatest roles of a priest and of a king is that of a teacher. In preparing to be a king and priest, we must also prepare to be a teacher. You know, most of us probably have at least one teacher that would come to mind that we considered a great teacher in our lifetime, that we liked and that we learned from. One teacher that I remember the most was my eighth grade English teacher. Now, English was not necessarily my favorite subject by any means. And she actually was a very tough teacher, demanded quite a bit. But we all loved her, and what and why we loved her was that we learned from her. She loved to teach, she loved her subject, she loved her students, and she actually made learning fun. And so if one of our roles is going to be a teacher in God's kingdom, we need to be developing those talents today. That's the expectation that God has of us, that during this part of our life that we are to be preparing for the role that we are to have in God's kingdom. And one of those roles will be as a teacher. So why don't we spend today looking at some of the traits that define a great teacher. And I have 12 traits, and by no means are the traits all-inclusive. And during this sermon, you'll probably be able to think of other traits that I don't cover that a teacher should have. The first trait that I want to to talk about today is the that teachers love what they do. Good teachers love what they do. There's no question that awesome teachers love to teach. Not doing it for money, prestige, or glory, they teach because it brings them incredible feeling of satisfaction, knowing that they are contributing positively to the future of others. If a teacher doesn't have this inner satisfaction and does not enjoy what they do, they'll never be able to make lasting impressions on their students' minds. Passion has great impact, and this is something that all great teachers have, passion for their subject. Great teachers love what they teach. They have a passion for us. You know, David set us an example of the passion that we're to have for the subject that we're to teach. Not only are we to have a passion for the subject, but we are to have passion for those who we are to be teaching. Let's turn to Psalms 119, verse 97. Psalms 119 and verse 97. And we see the passion that David had for the subject that he was to teach. 
Starting in verse 97 in Psalms 119, he says, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. David loved God's law. He had a passion for it. He thought about it all the time. Great teachers have a passion for their subject. Verse 98, we read, You, through your commandments, make me wiser than my enemies, for they're ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the ancients, because I keep your precepts. I have restrained my feet from every evil way, that I may keep your word. I have not departed from your judgments, for you yourself have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. What a passion that we see that David had for God's law. And that's the passion that we're to have for God's law. Because, you see, our role is going to be teaching this world God's law. In order to be effective teachers, we need to love God's law and understand it fully and to study it deeply so that we be, we'll be able to teach it. I had an old professor one time tell us that you can't teach what you don't know. You know, think about that a little bit. It makes a lot of sense. You can't teach what you don't know. Verse 103 says, How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Verse 104, Through your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. And so, indeed, we see that David's heart definitely was in God's law. And that's where our heart needs to be if we're going to be effective teachers of it. Let's turn to Ezra 7 and verse 9. We see the focus of Ezra had. Ezra was a teacher there at the time that Judah came back uh, from captivity. And it's interesting here in Ezra 7 and verse 10. A very interesting comment we see. For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord. You know, the heart is a seat of our emotions. Throughout the scripture, the heart is used to say that's where our emotions come from. Our thought comes from our brain, but our emotions come from our heart. And we are to have that passion for teaching. It comes from our heart. So Ezra prepared himself. And that's what we're to be doing today, preparing for this role as teacher. He prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach statutes and ordinances in Israel. And so Ezra gives us the example for the attitude that we're to have. That we are to have a love for what we do, a passion. The second trait of a good teacher is good communicators. Good teachers are good communicators. A teacher has a responsibility of bridging the gap between themselves and their students. So good communication skills are a must. It's difficult sometimes to relate to people, especially to children, so that learning can happen in their minds. But excellent teachers are masters of this. Relating to students on the student's level, 
These teachers have developed many ways to reach their students and communicate using effective teaching skills, visual aids, and even in their body language. There are multiple ways that we learn, and good teachers try to incorporate as many of the different ways that we learn in their teaching methods. And so we need to learn to be good communicators in God's truth. And that's the importance many times of having fellowship, learning to speak and to deal with others. And fellowship is so important, uh, especially on the Sabbath day, before and after services. You know, used to when we there were more of us many years ago, uh, even today in those areas where the numbers can warrant it, we, uh, we have a spokesman's club, which gives our men an opportunity to develop speaking skills, ability to communicate. Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 9, uh, Solomon saw the need of being able to communicate well. In Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 9, we read, And moreover, because the preacher was wise, he still taught the people knowledge. Yes, he pondered and thought out and set in order many proverbs. The preacher sought to find acceptable words, and what was written was upright, words of truth. The words of the wise are like goads, and the words of scholars are like well-driven nails given to one shepherd. And further, my son, be admonished by these, of making many books there is no end, and much study is wearisome to the flesh." And so, you know, the instruction here that Solomon is telling us is that we need to learn how to use the language properly, to be able to convey our thought in an effective way. Proverbs 15 and verse 28. And there are many Proverbs that deal with being a good communicator in language. Proverbs 15 and verse 28 says, The heart of the righteous studies how to answer. You know, we are to be prepared to be able to give an answer. And if we don't study, we will not be able to give that answer. We need to have, you know, studying allows us to understand God's Word, helps us to prepare. And this is why it's important that we do have a daily study time, that we can involve ourselves in God's Word, and then we'll be able to have an answer. Proverbs 16, verse 21. The wise in heart will be called prudent. The sweetness of the lips increases learning. And so through studying and through learning, we can improve our communication skills. Proverbs 25 and verse 11. Proverbs 25 and verse 11. We read, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. Like an earring of gold and an ornament of fine gold, it is a wide rebuker to the obedient ear. And so words fitly spoken. So communication skills are important for an educator, for a teacher. And so it's something that we need to focus on. Becoming good communicators. And if that's a talent you lack, that's something you might want to consider to working on. 
making, maybe even taking a speech class at a local community college. Uh, there are other ways to improve your speaking skills and your reading skills as well to be able to effectively communicate. We need more writers in the work. We need more individuals that are able to write good articles for our publications. And so if you have a writing talent, you might be able to develop that. There's a lot of different ways that we c- communicate. And of course, verbally is the is the the major way that most instructors or teachers communicate. And so we need to learn to speak effectively. Colossians 4 and verse 6. In Colossians 4 and verse 6, it says, Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each other. And a very good commandment that we have there in Colossians. The third trait that a teacher should have is they need to be admirable. In order for a teacher to be great, they must be admirable. They must be admired. These teachers leave lives of high moral ground. And they set an example to their students because of it. Really, though, being admirable teachers are more, uh, admirable teachers are more credible than others. We as people must more like, we are more likely to listen as people to those we admire because we wish to be like them. Models of who we would, we would like to someday be. Great teachers help show us the way. Good teachers practice what they teach. They set the example. And as a teacher, you learn by doing. If you're going to be teaching God's laws and God's ways, you need to learn God's laws and God's way and practice it. Through practicing it, you learn to be good teachers. I'll never forget the story I learned one time in class at the university in an educational course I was was taking. Uh, The professor was talking about how that you cannot teach what you don't know. And that good teachers need to be able to set the example. And he was telling the story about that one time that he was to teach a class on construction. And one of the other professors that was helping him put the class together, they were discussing the units in the class, and neither of them, they realized that neither of them had ever uh, laid concrete block. They had never done it. And yet that was one of the lessons in the class that they were to teach. And so they decided that in order to be effective teachers in laying concrete block, they needed to actually lay some concrete block. And so they went to the uh, uh, the lumberyard and bought a load of block and sand and mortar and whatever it took to put the block together. And they went out and found the spot and laid it out. And built the wall there out of the concrete block so they could learn how to set the block. And uh, that way they could effectively teach that later on in class. I had the same opportunity a number of years ago when I was teaching at a community college. We had built a new facility and it had a meat laboratory in it where meat could be processed. 
And uh, I was the one that was sort of given the role of teaching the first meat science class there on campus. While I had some experience in meat science, I had never actually cut up meat professionally by any means. And so that summer, uh, before the fall class was to begin, I spent six weeks with uh, one of my former students who operated a meat processing facility. And I would go in there and actually cut up meat with them and learn the technique. Uh, therefore, I was able then to more effectively teach my students because I knew how to do it. If we are keeping God's laws and his ways and practicing those things, then we'll be more effective teachers in the world tomorrow and teaching the, the upcoming world how to keep God's laws and be more effective in keeping his ways. We need to practice what we teach. John 3 and verse 20. Job, John 3 and verse 20. We read, For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen, and that they have been done in God. So we're practicing God's way in our life. We're going to be lights. We're going to be setting the examples. We're going to be admired. You know, many of you might not realize it, but your neighbors probably admire you. Uh, hopefully they do. They should. If you're practicing God's laws and God's ways, they'll see that in you. And they'll see that there's a difference that you have than the, their other neighbors or even themselves. And they'd admire that to a certain degree. I know that my wife and I, uh, with a group that we uh, were, was involved in a few years ago uh, through the USDA, it was a, um, a volunteer group that uh, basically uh, was used to uh, help provide funding for local activities, to, to help raise funding for local activities. Uh, we were involved with that group for a while, and there was a number of times that individuals with that group would say, we just love you and your wife. You set such a great example, and you're so happy, and you get along so well, and we really appreciate just being around you. And that was just based on our conduct that we were setting the example of emulating a lifestyle that they admired. And that's what good teachers do. And so that's what our role is going to be in God's kingdom, is setting the example, as Christ set the example for us. You know, when we talk about great teachers, the best example that we actually can see is that the example of Christ. And he set an example for us to follow. So if we can emulate Christ as we go through these traits, he, he expressed all these traits. All these traits that we're talking about as a great traits of a great teacher, Christ had and has. Romans 2 and verse 17. Romans 2 and verse 17. Actually, verse 21. Romans 2 and verse 21. It says, You therefore who teach another, do you not teach yourself? You who teach that a man should not steal, do you steal? 
You who say, do not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who have or hate idols, do you rob temples? You who make your boast in the law, do you dishonor God through breaking the law? For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you, as it is written. You know, if we're teaching, we need to be practicing what we're teaching. Otherwise, no one would have uh, any regard to you at all if you don't practice what you teach. The fourth trait of a great teacher is positive reinforcement. Instead of using strict punishment to discipline students, great teachers know how to use positive reinforcement to discipline instead. These teachers understand that negativity hinders that negativity hinders how their students learn, creates resentment in the students' minds, and ends up breaking the ties of the student-teacher relationship. Often, these teachers reward their students for doing a good job, so they're more apt to be doing it in the future. You know, focus on the positive and not necessarily on the negative. Reinforce positively. And, you know, Christ did that to us, and, and the instructions in the, in the Scriptures tells us that's what we'll be doing in the millennium. In Isaiah 30 and verse 20, a very good Scripture, that deals with how we're going to handle individuals in the future. Isaiah 30 and verse 20, we read, Yet your teachers will not be moved into a corner anymore, but your eyes shall see your teachers. They shall see us, and they'll see our example that we're setting. And you shall hear in the word behind you saying, This is the way, walk in it. Very positive reinforcement. Whenever you turn to the right hand or whenever you turn to the left, there's going to be one of us behind them guiding their steps, giving them positive reinforcement, helping them to see the right way, and giving positive correction when they go the wrong way. You know, we're not going to be there with a sledgehammer and waiting for them to make a, a mistake and then slapping them hard. That's not effective teaching. Effective teaching is, is supporting good behavior and right behavior. And that's, and that's how an a effective teacher handles discipline, through positive reinforcement. Another trait, the fifth trait that we want to talk about of an effective teacher is that effective teachers are fair and just. They have mercy. Teachers hold dear to the idea of equality. They teach their students equally, yet giving them the individual attention that they need. Not every student is equal in their ability to learn and their ability to understand, and so teachers have to adjust for that. But they're fair and just when they deal with the, teacher, with the students. No child is left out in the mind of a wonderful teacher. And they make it their mission to teach them all the same. Some children require maybe a little more effort than others. But you want them all, all to learn effectively. In doing so, they end up teaching their students the importance of equality and fair treatment. 
even if the teacher hasn't intended to do so. We're to be fair and just. And you know, a just man, a man who is is obeying God and doing things correctly, will be just. Second Samuel twenty three three. Second Samuel twenty three three. Chapter 23 and verse 3 tells us that God of Israel, the God of Israel said, the rock of Israel spoke to me. And so we're seeing that this is Jesus Christ speaking here. He who rules over man must be just, ruling in the fear of God. So as the role of king and priest and as teacher, we'll be ruling over individuals. We must be just. And we must rule in the fear of God. Ezekiel 18 and verse 9. Ezekiel 18 and verse 9. And verse 5. I'm sorry. Ezekiel 18 and verse 5. But if a man is just and does what is lawful and right, If he has not eaten on the mountains, nor lifted his eyes to the idols of the house of Israel, nor defiled his neighbor's wife, nor approached a woman during her impurity, if he has not oppressed anyone, but has restored to the debtor his pledge, has robbed no one by violence, but has given his bread to the hungry, and covered the naked with clothing, if he has not exacted usury, but taken any increase, but has withdrawn his hand from iniquity and executed true judgment between man and man, if he has walked in my statutes and kept my judgments faithfully, he is just. And so here we see a description in in Ezekiel of a just man. And that's what a teacher needs to be, is just and fair in all their dealings. Setting an example once again emulating God's laws and His ways. The sixth trait that we see in a great teacher is leadership. Great teachers are leaders. In the classroom, they own the spotlight. They have the responsibility of being strong instructors so that students listen to them with determination. They have to lead their students on the right path through the learning experience and help by showing the obstacles that may stand in the student's way. They demonstrate leadership. Great teachers demonstrate leadership. And our role as a teacher in the millennium will be leading. We'll be representing God's government and Jesus Christ, who will be our king of kings and and priest and high priest. And so therefore will be our ultimate leader. He is now, today. And so he wants us to be developing these traits of a good teacher. Psalms 1 and verse 1. The Psalms and Proverbs have a lot of of verses that deal with leadership. Psalms 1 and verse 1 through 3, it says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is the law of the Lord. A leader's delight will be the law of the Lord. 
And in his law, he meditates day and night. Remember what David said, that how he loved God's law and how he meditated on it day and night. Do you love God's law? Do you think about it day and night? Do you wake up in the early morning hours pondering God's law? And maybe if you can't go back to sleep, which tends to be something that old people do. <laughs> I've started doing it quite a bit. Wake up in the middle of the night and not able to go back to sleep. You know, that's a great time to pull out the Bible and start pondering God's law and thinking and meditating on it. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season whose leaves also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. You know, that's what we are to be like, an example. We are to be like a tree that stands solid, that, that brings forth fruit. And you know, the fruit that we are to bring forth is described in Galatians 5 and verse 22, the fruits of God's Spirit. And that's how we are to be conducting our lives. And, and through the example that we lead in our neighborhood, through the example that we lead in our congregations, we are leading. And, and we are to be leaders. And we'll have that opportunity in God's kingdom definitely to lead this world. Psalm 16 and verse 7. Psalm 16 and verse 7. We read, I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel. My heart also instructs me in the night seasons. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is my right hand, I shall not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also will rest in hope. For you will not leave my soul in Shiloh nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You will show me the path of life in your presence. Uh, in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures evermore. You know, God is our leader. He's our instructor. And Jesus Christ, and they lead and guide and direct us with through their Holy Spirit. And we learn from them. And we can use their example... Uh, how we are to be teachers. Psalms 119 and verse 33. Psalms 119 and verse 33. It says, Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I shall keep it to the end. Give me understanding, and I shall keep your law. Indeed, I shall observe it with my whole heart. Make me walk into the paths of your commandments, for I delight in it. This is the attitude that God wants us to have. This is an attitude of a leader, of looking to God and Jesus Christ for all of our instruction, being led and guided by their word. The seventh trait that we see of a good teacher is committed. Great teachers are committed, and we need to be committed as well. We need to be steadfast in what we understand and believe. There is no doubt that a great teacher is committed. They go above and beyond the time requirements of a typical teacher. 
and are willing to help students whenever they need it. You know, Christ tells us that the path is narrow, the gate is narrow, and the path is difficult that we've been called to. And in order for us to stay committed, we have to be committed. For for us to stay the course, we have to be committed to this calling. Great teachers are very committed to what they teach, and they like their students and are always continuing to learn in hopes of becoming even better teachers. You know, do you like people? You know, there are times I will run into some of our brethren, and I question if they really truly like people. They tend to be very negative about themselves and others. And, And so, you know, the question is, do you like people? I hope you do, because you've been called to become a teacher. God has chosen you become a teacher and to be committed to this way and you're going to be teaching others and for a, a, a to be an effective teacher you need to like people colossians 2 and verse 4 colossians 2 and verse 4 we read here in colossians 2 and verse 4 we read now this i say lest anyone should deceive you with pers- Pervasive words, persuasive words. For though I am absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. We need to be committed to the truth and committed to the understanding that God has given us. Are you committed? Are you steadfast in faith? And faith requires... You know, faith is what is required to be committed. We must have faith. As you therefore uh, have received Jesus Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. You know, we need to be setting the example. Following Christ. Rooted and built in him and established in faith. Our commitment is established in faith. As you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Beware, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the traditions of men. And we've seen that in our lifetime. In our, in this age, we have seen our fellow brethren deceived, and they abandoned what they'd been taught. In fact, in many cases, when you meet up with them, they've forgotten everything. And it's a witness to the power of God's Holy Spirit. That is through the Holy Spirit that we're given understanding. And so we need to beware, not allow anyone to cheat us through philosophy and empty deceit. According to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. We need to be well established in His truth. So we won't be deceived. And we need to be close to Christ. And close to God our Father. If we're not, we will be deceived. We have to remain close. And we do that through our prayer, through our study, through meditation, and through occasional fasting. We stay close to God. For in Him dwells all the fullness of Godhead bodily. 
and you are complete in him with the head of all principality and power. We become complete in God by being fully committed and steadfast in our calling. And so a good teacher is committed to the role that they've been given, committed to their students, committed to their subject. Are you committed? The eighth trait of a good teacher is a good teacher has understanding. Great teachers understand their students better than most people. And there's two understandings that we'll talk about. The understanding of your student and the understanding of your content area. Of course, our content area is God's laws and his precepts and his statutes. Do you have a a good understanding of God's way of life? Good teachers, great teachers understand where their students came from, who they are, and know the best avenue to take them to who they will become. Great teachers have an unkindly understanding of what they teach because they're experts in their field of knowledge. Are you an expert in God's laws? You know, God has given us this time in our life to become an expert in his law. To practice and to put into practice his laws and his ways. And great teachers understand what they teach. And they also understand who they're teaching. And you know, part of the things that we're learning in our lifetime today is human behavior. And how to deal with other humans. And it's important that we learn proper behavior and learn to be able to give guidance to others. Because that's what our role is going to be in God's kingdom, giving guidance to others. Psalms 111 and verse 10 gives us some instruction that we need to consider as far as knowledge is concerned and understanding. He says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding of all those who do his commandments. A good understanding have all those who do his commandments. His praise endures forever. And so God will give us the understanding that we need to become teachers. If we learn his commandments. If we practice his commandments and put them into practice. Proverbs 9 and verse 10. Proverbs 9 and verse 10. We read here in Proverbs 9 and verse 10 that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So how do you have understanding? It's through God's Word. We're given understanding. And so how do you get Understanding of God's Word through study, through being faithful and attending services where we learn from our pastors. It's very important that we are faithful in those areas because that's what God has called us to become, teachers. And you know, you can consider life today basically as college. God is using life today, your life today to prepare you as a teacher in tomorrow. You come along and he gives you trials and, and t- 
to help you learn, to correct you, to to motivate you. And you know, you know, Peter said that we should look upon our trials with joy. Because it's opportunities to learn. Opportunities to become more like Christ. Developing the very character of Christ. James 3 and verse 13. It says in James 3 and verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. You know, how does God judge us? He judges us by our works. And the efforts that we're putting out. A good teacher, number nine, a great teacher has compassion and caring. There is suffering in this world. And a great teacher recognizes this and has the inner desire to help. Great teachers help by teaching. Because they know by giving knowledge to the next generation that they're creating individuals who have the skills, compassion, and dedication to end suffering. Great teachers care about the world and what they do and won't have things any other way. Do you have a care and compassion for this world and for humanity? Do you truly see the suffering that's out there? You know, Christ set the example for us that we can emulate. He saw the suffering that mankind, and they called him a man of sorrows. Why was he filled with sorrows? Because he saw mankind and the suffering they were going through knowing that they didn't have to go through that if they would only obey his laws. Isaiah 40 and verse 11, a prophecy talking about Jesus Christ. Isaiah 40 and verse 11, it says, He will feed his flock like a shepherd. You know, a shepherd has compassion and caring for their flock. They're in charge of each of those animals, and I don't know how many of you have ever actually dealt with sheep. I've had that opportunity over the years to take care of flocks. And, you know, sheep basically are dumb animals. If you've never dealt with sheep, uh, you might not understand that. But take my word for it, they are dumb animals. And they'll overeat, and that will kill them. Uh, they uh, can be adverse to weather conditions. They, they, they tend to uh, get sick and die immediately when they do get sick. Uh, they're incredible animals to deal with. They're frightened by storms. I, I've literally lost dozens because of a lightning storm. And they would crowd together and, and basically frightened to death. And so uh, they're not real bright. You know, as humans, compared to God, we're not real bright either. And and because of that, when I had the flock of sheep, I had compassion for them. You know, they're very sweet and loving. Lambs can be very loving and sweet. Uh, and uh, also have had goats over the years, and they're even more more loving and can return that love. But goats are brighter than sheep, I can tell you that. Uh, sheep are not the smartest in the world. But if you've ever been a shepherd, you have compassion for them. You know 
that they cannot deal with certain things. And you understand that. And so you have that desire to protect them and care for them. And that's what teachers have, a desire to care and protect those who they're working with. You know, God basically has that for us. We're dumb animals compared to God, to his intelligence. And this is what Christ has for us. He feeds his flock like sheep. He gathers his lambs like a shepherd. He gathers his lambs with his arm. He carries them in his bosom and gently leads leads those who are with young. You know, when you have a, a flock of ewes that are ready to lamb, you take good care of them. You provide shelter for them. You make sure they get adequate feed. You don't want to frighten them in any means. And so you take care of any stress that might come along that could frighten them because you want them in good health and so that they will lamb properly and be enable to lamb without pain and suffering. And that's what how Christ looks upon us. He had care and compassion for all humanity. Isaiah 63 and verse 7, another prophecy about Christ. It says in Isaiah 63 and verse 7, it says, I will mention the loving kindness of the Lord and the praises of the Lord, the loving kindness of the Lord, according to all that the Lord has bestowed on us and the great goodness toward the house of Israel, which he has bestowed on them according to his mercies, according to the multitude of his loving kindness. For he said, surely they are my people, children who will not lie. He became their savior. In all his, their afflictions, he was afflicted. You know, Christ fills our pain. You know, Christ, one of the reasons Christ came to this earth as a human to actually experience what it was like to be a human. So that he could have more compassion and more uh, care for us. Because he understands what we go through. He knows the physical pain and what physical pain is all about. And so he can relate that to God our Father and tell him actually what our suffering is about. In verse 9, in all their afflictions he was afflicted, and the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and in his pity he redeemed them. He bore them and carried them all the days of old. You know, Christ bears us and carries us. And if we go to him in faith, he will relieve us from our pain and from our suffering. And he teaches us. He is the master teacher. And so as teachers, we need to have that same love and compassion and caring and mercy for our students. And we all need to have that in God's kingdom. Compassion and caring. Because we're going to be dealing with people that have been bruised and battered and beaten and been in captivity. And they'll be coming out of captivity. Uh, slavery and and be in horrible, horrible condition and shape. And we'll need to have that love and compassion to extend out upon them and show them God's way in mercy. Matthew 9 and verse 36. 
But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered, like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray that the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. You know, that's our role today. We're the harvesters. We're the laborers. And God has called us today not only to be teachers in his kingdom, but to be the laborers today in helping those who he's truly calling at this time. Another trait of a great teacher is confidence. A teacher can't teach without confidence. Teachers won't believe in a students won't believe in a teacher that first doesn't believe in themselves. Great teachers are confident that they know how to teach and in what they are teaching. Nothing stands in the way of this confidence and the teacher does their best not to become arrogant about the job they do. How does a teacher become confident? They know their subject. They know they're able to communicate and express themselves. They have a loving and a a compassion for what they're doing. That gives them confidence. You know, we're to have confidence. And God's Spirit gives us confidence. Ephesians 3 and verse 12. Ephesians 3 and verse 12 tells us, In whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in Him. Therefore I ask that you do not lose heart in my tribulations for you, which is your glory. So we're to have boldness and confidence in the faith that's given to us, through the faith that's given to us. It's through faith that we have confidence. You know, we have confidence in what Christ has told us is true. Faith gives us confidence. And that we know what the outcome is going to be. That we know that Jesus Christ is coming back to this earth very soon. And he's going to establish his government. And that we know he's going to use us in his government to help teach this world. We have that confidence. And that is from his Holy Spirit. The faith that's given to us, we receive that confidence. 1 John 3 and verse 19 1 John 3 and verse 19, it says, And by this we know that we are of the truth and, sh- and shall assure our hearts before him. We have that assurance, that confidence from the understanding that's been given to us through his Holy Spirit. For in our heart, for if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. You know, if we fail in our heart, in our assurance, and our confidence, we know that God is greater than our heart and that he will give us that assurance. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him. God tells us that he'll give us the power that's necessary to overcome. That he'll give us the ability to succeed and to be in his kingdom. If we ask. And why does he do that? Because we keep his commandments. And do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And this is the commandment. That we should believe on the name of his son Jesus Christ. And love one another. 
You know, having compassion and caring for one another is part of having confidence. He's given us this commandment. Another trait, the 11th trait of a great teacher is that great teachers are prepared. Excellent teachers are prepared. They know their steps necessary and their well, what they teach to teach students and to follow them well. They know what they're teaching. These teachers are always ready to go when the time calls for it. They never leave their students lost and not knowing the and not knowing the direction that they're heading. Great teachers stick to the plans they prepare in order to teach the best way possible. Are you going to be a great teacher? Are you preparing? Great teachers know their subjects. They're prepared. Like I've said earlier, you can't teach what you don't know. Great teachers know their subjects. They're in const- they are in constant study, preparing. Teachers go back to school all the time to keep abreast in whatever their subject matter area, to keep current in their subject matter area. Uh, it was as a teacher for 30 years, uh, annually I would attend conferences and classes in some cases that would keep me up to date in my content area. Constantly studying. You know, teachers are lifelong learners. Are you a lifelong learner? Are you constantly studying and preparing for the role that God has given us as teacher? Acts 18 and verse 24. Acts 18 and verse 24. It says, This man has been instructed in the way of the Lord, being fervent in spirit. He spoke and taught accurately the things of the Lord, though he knew only the baptism of John. So he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Aquila and Priscilla heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he desired to cross into Archaea, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him. And when he arrived, he greatly helped those who had believed through grace. For he vigorously refuted the Jews publicly, showing from the scriptures that Jesus is Christ. This individual wanted to teach even more fervently. And so he is willing to learn and to study. And when he came into new understanding, he applied it. He wasn't arrogant to the point that he thought he knew everything and couldn't be taught. You know, I've known instructors that way and professors at at universities that were arrogant enough to think that they couldn't learn anything more. And sadly, they're not individuals that I remember as being great teachers. Because they weren't. Because they would refuse to learn. You know, we don't know everything. Eventually we will. But you know, God continues to learn too. God continues to learn. He learns about us. You know, he didn't know about Abraham for sure until he gave some trials to Abraham to see how Abraham, how faithful Abraham was going to be. Remember what he said at the time that Abraham was instructed to sacrifice Isaac. And after he held Abraham's hand away from that, he said, you know, now I know. 
Now I know Abraham. You know, he's testing us all the time too. He doesn't know for sure at times how we're going to react to certain situations. And so he continues to try and test us so that we may learn and so that he may learn about us. And eventually he will give us that trial and test and we'll do the proper reaction and we'll do it correctly. And then he'll say, now I know. Now I know. Romans 12 and verse 1. Romans 12 and verse 1 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. It's, it's what is expected. You know, great teachers are expected to know their subject matter. God expects us to know his, his law and his ways and understand his scriptures, his word. That's our reasonable service. And do not conform, be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. How do we prove that? Through His Word. We're given God's Word to transform our mind, to renew our mind. So that we know what his will is. Because his will is in these scriptures. 2 Timothy 3 and verse 14. 2 Timothy 3 and verse 14. It says, but you must continue in the things. Paul here writing to a young pastor, a young teacher. But you must continue in the things that you have learned and be assured of knowing from whom you have learned them. You'll have confidence in what you've learned. And that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Jesus Christ. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for, for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped, for every good work. Are you equipped for every good work? Are you becoming complete within God? Do you know your subject area? You know, a good teacher knows their subject area. The twelfth and last trait of a good teacher is professionalism. Another word that you could use for professionalism is character. Character is a sign of great teacher. They know that as someone who is responsible for helping people learn, they must take their work seriously. They believe in timeliness and never hate and are never late and rarely miss days they're assigned to work. Terrific teachers dress well, have good hygiene, and treat their students with respect. In, in doing so, their students respect them and are more willing to learn from them. Do you present yourself with godly character? Are you professional? You know, our profession is to be a king and a priest. That's our profession that we're called to. 
Are you professional? Do you exhibit godly character? Second Timothy 2, I mean, I'm sorry, Titus 2, Titus 2, the final scripture that we'll look at today, Titus 2 and verse 11, says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. Why is that? Why has God commanded that we are to live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age? Looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works, Speak these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one despise you. Now, we are to exhibit the very character of God. That's what God is developing in us, his mind, to where we become as one with him, where we learn to think like God thinks, where all of our actions reflect the thoughts of Jesus Christ, who's in us, who dwells in us through His Holy Spirit. That everything that we do and how we conduct our lives is a reflection of Jesus Christ. You know, there are many qualities that make up a great teacher. And these that we've covered here, these 12, are just some of the important ones. The next time you think about that awesome teacher that you had in school, I remember my English teacher I had. And one of the things that I find interesting is that my younger brother had her too. And he also considers her one of the best teachers he ever had. You know, she wasn't anything great to look at. And she was strict. I mean, you didn't mess up in her class and survive very well. But yet, She taught us, and we learned. I have a love for literature that I didn't have before I took her class. I'm able to write a lot better than I would have ever been able to if I hadn't had her class. She taught us the basics of writing. She taught us how to speak. Her mother had been an English teacher. And her mother, when she was a child, she told us that her mother would have her to read to her while she did the laundry. And the thing was, she did the laundry in the basement, and she would be on the third floor reading to her mother that was in the basement. And she had to read it loud enough and distinctly enough for her mother to hear every word. I'll never forget those lessons that she taught us. And so all of us probably have that awesome teacher that we can think about. And whomever it may be, think about those qualities, these qualities that we've covered, and how it would apply to that teacher. And what it takes to be a person who lives a life that's admired. 
If we truly learn from these people that we that have shaped our lives, then maybe we too can become great teachers.